You're listening to The Paul Higgins Show, the place for ambitious tech consultants with purpose. After 18 years as a global sales leader and having a successful tech consulting exit, I'm sharing what's working now to transform emerging tech consultants worldwide into trusted consultants that attract the best clients and deliver measurable results. When you're ready to level up your clarity, results, and freedom, begin with the free tech consulting blueprint available at techconsultantsblueprint.com. Imagine this, you're really good at what you do, an ISV partner or a SI partner in the ecosystem, but you feel lost. You really struggle to be seen and found and struggle to make a point of difference. Well, the Kevin Bacon of Salesforce is here to help you. Hello, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to episode number 501 of the Cloud Consultants Show. In this podcast, we're going to explore personal and company branding and how to stand out in that very busy crowd and also has got some fantastic examples. The second is a great event that you can attend. And thirdly, a fantastic new platform that's going to help you find great talent, which we all need. Our guest today is Eric Dreshfield. He is a connector, a blogger, a marketer, and a mentor for those in the Salesforce ecosystem and a community advocate as well. He's been working in the Salesforce ecosystem since 2009 with experience across multi-industries, including transportation, retail, life sciences, and much more. Eric is able to bridge the gap between technology and people who rely on it. He's the founder of Midwest Dreaming and a member of the Salesforce MVP Hall of Fame. By day, he's the principal consultant at Dresch for Success, and he's at all times the Kevin Bacon of the Salesforce ecosystem. What I'll do now is hand you over to Eric Dreshfield from dreshforsuccess.com. Great to have you here, Eric. Yeah, good to be here, Paul. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, well, uh, as we said in the intro, you know, you've had a bit of a career change since we last met. And I think the career change is even more pertinent to you who are listening or watching today. So can't wait to get into that. But why don't we kick off with who is your ideal client these days and what problems you love to solve for them? Yeah. So so when I started my new consulting business about six months ago, my initial thought was to keep doing the work that I had been doing for about the last seven years in the ecosystem, which was helping ISV partners get a better foothold and gain more traction in the ecosystem, increase their brand awareness, make sure people know who they are and what their products are capable of doing, and of course, why they need to use their products. Right. And what do you think they're missing that you help them with? I, you know, I, I think the, the strongest thing that I probably bring to the, the table for those clients of mine is not only my history in the ecosystem, I've been working with the Salesforce ecosystem now for 14 years, but also just the brand recognition of me as a person that I've built up over those years. The company name even comes from that because a lot of people over the last maybe three to five years have just started calling me Dresh. So I wanted to build that into the company name somehow uh, instead of simply do Dreshfield Consulting or something that was what I guess you'd call boring. Yeah, something uh, so, boring so, like so, mine, which is Paul Ligon's painting. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's kind of where Dress for Success came from. Uh, yeah. It was kind of combining my personal brand name and what I'm trying to help others achieve. Yeah, like you said, the app exchange is getting more and more populated. How do you stand out from the crowd? If I take that as one, which I often hear. And also I think it's you know the same for SIs, and it's same no matter what platform you're on, right? It, it's right. harder and harder to stand out. So that's what we're going to cover in a moment. And 
I was telling you before we went on air that I've got a, a client who's a marketing cloud expert or consultant, and I just did some research this week on his peers. So what are his peers? You know, what are their LinkedIn profiles? What's their shop front look like? And I was just aghast at the fact that everyone calls themselves the same thing. You know, I'm a Salesforce marketing cloud expert. I'm a, and that was about it. There was no, who do they help? What results they get for them? I won't swear because I don't want to edit it, but it was boring as you can fill in the, the blank. And from you, who's, you know, done a brilliant job of personal branding for yourself, but also for people within the ecosystem, you know, why is it? Why do we look so boring to our potential clients? Yeah, you know, I, I think that stems from the direction that we're looking probably more than anything else. We're looking from our side out to the other side of the ecosystem rather than looking from their side in towards us. So I, I think if we reverse that and we look at it from their eyes, we're going to start looking for the things that we should be highlighting about ourselves that'll make us stand out. You're going to want to work with somebody that's a trusted advisor that knows what they're doing, that's been around for a long time, that has a brand that's recognizable that maybe a lot of people have utilized in the past. I mean, check the ratings, for example, on the app exchange, if you're looking for a product, the ones with all the five-star ratings, it's obviously you'd want to work with them as opposed to somebody where an average rating's a three, maybe. Those are some of the things that, that quickly come to mind as to why branding a, of a company uh, is important and why you can't just be just another expert. Yeah, look, I agree. And, you know, I've recently done a solo episode on this as well, where, you know, you're not a SaaS partner, right? You're not a Salesforce partner. You're not a fill in the blank again. You are a consultant that you're actually providing a benefit of value to people, right? And it's so yeah. lazy just to call ourselves a partner. And it's great for the company. So Salesforce love it because you're, you know, promoting their brand, but you're not actually helping yourself, especially if you're a smaller partner or you're a smaller app ISV that's trying to get established, you know, Salesforce aren't going to throw you lots of leads, right? So calling <laughs> yourself Salesforce is not going to help. You've got to stand for someone. So, you know, I think that's the key problem that I see in the market. I know that you see it and you're helping them. So tell us a little bit about how you might help someone when they've got that challenge. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think over the years in my career, the most recent six or seven years, my focus has been working with ISV partners as part of their marketing teams and helping them to increase their brand awareness, helping them get more involved within the Salesforce community itself, because I think that's where a lot of the initial opportunities for new business comes from is within the community. People are going to discover an app or an SI partner at a community conference, for example, and that's where they're going to start the conversation and they'll take it back to their leaders at their organization and they're going to say, hey, I met this guy or this person or this company at this event, we talked about their product. It solves all the needs we have right now. Uh, I think we need to investigate it. We need to bring them on board and have a full-blown demo for the whole team. It all starts with that first impression, kind of like you were talking about just a minute ago, the first impression of the websites that are boring. Yeah. That's not a good impression. I mean, granted, my new business website may still look a little boring, but I'm pretty new to it. Uh, I'm working on that. But, you know, the companies that have been around for a while that seem to really grow and, and really thrive, their websites really tell you who they are, what they stand for, why they do business the way they do, and probably even more importantly, who some of their most important clients are and the success they've seen. Yeah. And I think the hard thing these days is you may not have the budgets of the big guys, but you're compared to the big guys, i.e. the big consumer companies like Apple and other companies, yep. right? They have a fantastic experience when they go there. They want the same thing from you, right? And when they right. go to your site, it is, if you make it hard for them, et cetera, you know, often these people 
don't have long to do the research. And if you make it really hard for them, it's going to be easy for them to leave. So I think that's so important. It's the same with the LinkedIn profile, right? Like when was the last time you met someone and didn't quickly go to their profile? Right, exactly. Once again, it doesn't have your best foot forward. So we've talked about those two. Where does YouTube come into this? Because I see a lot of partners that do YouTube really well, and I see other partners that don't. Where, Where do you see YouTube fitting into this whole personal branding and branding space? Yeah, you know, I think from an individual perspective, video content or audio content, because a lot of people don't watch the videos, they listen to them. That's much easier to consume than reading a blog post or reading a white paper or something like that, because, you know, we're all on the go all the time. You can have a video or an, an audio book or whatever playing in your ear while you're driving the car, going somewhere or something like that. So it's much easier to consume. But I also think the key point about the video content these days is it's usually a fairly small bite of information. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, under 20 minutes for sure is, is probably the ideal sweet spot. But I've seen a lot of really successful messages delivered in three to five minutes. And that's, I think, really where a lot of this, the new business that, that video content is really going to drive is those short bites of information that's going to really spark someone's imagination, pique their curiosity and want them to get more information. Yeah. And, and look, I think it's called Opus, have you heard of Opus? I think it's O-P-U-S. If it's not, we'll put in the, the links to the show notes anyway. But yep. they can, you know, take any of your content and make it a, a short. And I know that YouTube now doesn't have shorts as a separate. It did for a while, but now it's included in your, your main. But you can mm-hmm. pull, you know, you've got brilliant conversations that you're having with clients. You've got brilliant conversations that you're having with your team. Now you can quickly grab snippets of those and put it out there so people can like know and trust you before they actually buy from you. And right. you know, it's how we consume. Like I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time I actually read a, a blog post, right? They just don't exist. And white papers, like really? Are we still doing white papers? Like, you know, video is great because you can multi-purpose and repurpose it. So that's fantastic. Right. But you know, video should be the first form. And I'll also put a link in the notes to our video kit. So I've got a suggestion on how you can set it up so you can look like Eric and I, and it's not as difficult as you think. So we've we've spoken about websites, LinkedIn, YouTube. So I'm someone who's very technically based. You know, I've uh, started from a technical perspective. Now I'm the owner of the business. So I've got to get more on the, the front end of it. And I'm listening to you, Eric, and thinking, God, uh, what's the best place to start? How do I make this into a journey for you? uh, I'm sure you've come across that lots of times. Where do you think the best place for them is to start? I think a lot of people would immediately assume I got to have a website and that's the place to start. And I don't necessarily think that's the best strategy. I I think a better strategy is probably starting with creating and building a brand for whatever it is you're trying to do, personal or business related, get that brand going and get it strong. Uh, And then the brand will kind of precede you in conversations. LinkedIn is a great place for sharing content. It's a great place just to highlight your brand, even just simply in your own personal profile. You probably noticed, Paul, one of the lines in my own personal profile on LinkedIn says, I'm the Kevin Bacon of the Salesforce ecosystem. I get people connecting to me on LinkedIn, probably two or three a week that simply reference that one line in my profile on LinkedIn and said, I got to learn more about the Kevin Bacon of the Salesforce ecosystem, just because it's catchy, because it's unique. It's something that they don't see on everybody. I think I may be the only one using that title, but that's been a starting point for a lot of my conversations over the years. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's brilliant. And, you know, you're listening to this, you might have got a sense in the title that I've used that as well. So, you know, it's a great line. And so personal brand or company brand, I'm going to do more about that. You know, should I attempt it myself? Should I get someone to help? Like you listening to Eric, Eric's going to give you some advice as to which way to go. Yeah, I think one of the easiest ways to possibly explain a success story from branding, perhaps, would simply be to look at Mike Gerholt who is like the director of admin evangelism at Salesforce now. I'm hoping that's his title or something pretty similar to that. But before he started working for Salesforce, within the ecosystem, he was the button-click admin. He created his own brand and utilized that term, I'm the button-click admin, all the time. He always wore a red shirt. Everything he did was red in color. And he was that button-click admin, sharing tons of great content and, and helping people solve problems in the ecosystem. When he went to work for Salesforce... He became the first admin evangelist that Salesforce ever hired, and his personal brand effectively transformed into the Salesforce admins podcast, and that became where he is now. And then he shifted from the button-click admin red to the Salesforce blue for the colors that he wears when he's out in public, and now he's all about promoting Salesforce and what admins can do and, and the benefits of becoming an admin for your career and all that. And that's a success story. It's a shift of being personal, going into corporate. You know, everyone has a brand, whether it's a person or a company. Some people and some companies do it really well. Others, not so much. I mean, if if you think about some corporate brands besides just Salesforce, Coca-Cola, for example, if you think about them, what happens in your mind? What happens in your brain? Me, my mouth is watering because now I'm thirsty all of a sudden because I'm thinking about drinking a Coke. And it's that simple. Being able to build that simple of a connection to the human emotion, I think that helps trigger all this and can really drive some interesting conversations and some business. Yeah. And look, you know, I was very lucky that I would spent 18 years working at Coca-Cola. And when you first come in and I was certainly young when I did, you don't really understand why they were so pedantic about everything. You know, the the Coca-Cola always had to have a hyphen in it. You know, it always had to be positioned in a certain way. You know, you'd go in and the brand had to be positioned in every shop and look the same way, et cetera. And like, you didn't really understand it, but you know, now stepping back in 18 years post, yeah, you realize that it is really important and it doesn't take a lot to do it initially. I'm sure, you know, Mike, for example, you know, wearing a red shirt and positioning himself, like he could have thought of that in a day, right? It's not a difficult thing, but then it's the consistency of showing up. It was like Coca-Cola, you know, 150 odd years, the consistency of them doing it. And you've got to spend time and effort in this area. You know how I said, you know, whether you do it yourself or get someone in, you know, what's the difference of that? And have you seen any variation in people that have created themselves versus getting someone in to help them create their own company or personal brand? Yeah, I'm not sure it matters per se, whether you do it yourself or you bring someone in to help you. As long as what's happening, like you just said, is consistent and the message is being delivered still fit what the brand is expecting to be or wants to be. I mean, think about one of the other things I've done throughout my career, Midwest Dreaming as a community-led conference. The year I created that was honestly purely selfish reasons. I couldn't go to Dreamforce that first year in the ecosystem, so I wanted to bring Dreamforce to me, so I created a conference. I'm not sure where the Dreamin name came from, but it stuck, and a lot of the other conferences that are out there use that. The one conversation I remember having with a lot of those other conference organizers is that it's Midwest Dreamin', there's no G, and there's an apostrophe at the end. 
And that was the consistent feature that I wanted, the no G and the apostrophe. And a lot of them are doing the same thing. It's Southeast Dreamin, it's Tahoe Dreamin, it's North Atlantic Dreamin or Mid-Atlantic Dreamin or whatever they are, but they're all Dreamin, no G, with the apostrophe. So similar to the 150 years of Coca-Cola with the hyphen, it's, I mean, maybe Midwest Dreamin will still be around in 100 more years, who knows? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think there's a pretty good chance it will be. I think Salesforce still will be. So you hear listening to Eric, this is episode 501. So we just tipped over the 500 mm. mark. So it's great for you to be on that side, Eric. But as a partner or an ISV, you know, why would I go to Midcoast Dreaming? Yeah. So for Midwest Dreaming, the website's just midwestdreaming.com. What you'll discover out there, we now have our session content out on the website for our upcoming conference, which is just a little less than two months away. August 16th through the 18th at the Hyatt Regency in Minneapolis. And this is the first year that we have over 100 breakout sessions at the event. Last year, our first year back from COVID, we had about 45 or so sessions. And one of the biggest pieces of feedback we got from the attendees was Wednesday afternoon was pretty light. There wasn't a lot of content, a lot of things to invite people in. So we took that and grabbed it hard and really ran with it. And so Wednesday afternoon is now filled with hands-on training and career-focused sessions in addition to an opening reception and time to just network with people. So it's, uh, it should be a really interesting start to the event Wednesday this year with all of those sessions. And I think it'll bring a lot more people in who really want to come focused on learning and growing their careers. Yeah. And is, is there any access to online no, I, I, that's the one thing we've never done with Midwest is broadcast live or or streamed or anything like that. We typically request that our presenters will share their decks afterwards so that those will at least be available online somewhere. And then I'm sure we'll do that again this year. But from a live streaming learning kind of possibility, we're an in-person event. Uh, we've always been only in-person and for the foreseeable future, at least I think we're going to stay that way. Yeah, great. You're probably listening to this in October of 2023, so you'll have to catch the 24 version of, of the conference. But I think it's a great opportunity to have a booth or something as a partner or an ISV to get to the end users. And certainly if you're within that region, I think it makes absolutely more sense. And I know you're also part of a new company called Gaggle Social. How's that helping the ecosystem? Yeah, yeah. So Gaggle Social is a is a relatively new uh, organization within the Salesforce ecosystem. I'm part of their Salesforce advisory board. And what we're trying to do with Gaggle Social is to help improve the hiring process, but not just from the employer perspective, but also from the potential employee perspective. So with the Gaggle Social platform, People searching for jobs can create profiles. They can include all the skills and things that they're good at, the stuff that's important to them in a job. Uh, the companies can obviously advertise roles and, and create similar statistics and things about themselves. But the Gaggle social platform effectively matches candidates with roles based upon everything they want in the job and everything being offered in the job. So it speeds up the hiring process. It speeds up the job search process and literally only presents the candidates with the jobs that match exactly what they're looking for at an 80% match or higher, instead of them having to weed through hundreds and hundreds of, of roles where there's 5% that makes sense for them or zero. And from the employer perspective, they're seeing ideal candidates from the get-go and making hiring the right person much faster, much easier. You know, it, it's tough to hire people that are good at what they do. You always want to hire the best. And a lot of times, at least historically, that took a long time. Yes. Um, so this Gaggle Social, the, the ultimate goal really is let's shorten the hiring process to everyone's benefit. 
Yeah, great. And is uh, drawing talent from where in the world? Right now, I think they're focused exclusively on the U.S., but I'm sure that will expand. In, in addition to the Salesforce ecosystem, Gaggle Social is also working in other ecosystems uh, through other CRMs like Oracle, NetSuite, and, and a few others. Yeah, great. So look, we'll have a link in the show notes so you can see if they're covering the, the vendor or the SaaS platform that you're involved in. And, and also I know that it's got some great AI to really make it easier for you to find great people because we all know that that's a challenge for all of us. So uh, it certainly yeah. um, helps with that. So what we're going to do now, Eric, is go into the rapid fire. I'm going to ask you four questions and get four quick responses. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. All right. So the first thing is, what are the daily habits that you do to help you scale dress for success i am very consistent on the go to bed and wake up times so much so that my wife occasionally tells me i'm asleep before my head hits the pillow <laughs> and no matter where i am it seems like no matter what time zone i'm in i'm always awake by 6 15 in the morning even without an alarm even adjusted for the local time zone that i might be in don't really even need to set an alarm it just happens yeah, which I, you know I, I think Having a routine like that, whether it's built into your body or you force it through alarms or whatever, I think that really helps enforce growth and helps you realize the things you need to do and gives you time to do them. Right. Well, the next one is for dress for success. Where do you go and find out more knowledge about how you grow your business, given the fact that you're six months in? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question since I am so early in that business. But what I have been doing up to this point is having conversations with additional people that I know inside the Salesforce ecosystem who I feel are running a strong business of their own. Some of the things that I've done up to this point, even so much the branding, the, the Dress for Success name uh, came from one of those conversations with a former colleague of mine who was a marketing department colleague at one of my previous employers. Yes. Um, so focus in on the people you know, tap into their talents and their skills, that's a great place to start. So if we could grant you one wish for a dress for success, what would that be? Oh, wow. The one wish question. It's probably wrong of me to say seven more wishes. Uh, <laughs> you can. You know, can yeah. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I, I think if I really would want to throw that out just to one wish for something, I'd probably love to find a few more hours in the day to devote to building and scaling the business and having that one additional conversation with someone who might become a client. Right. Fantastic. And the last thing is, I know you're six months in and you've spent, you know, 14 years in the, the ecosystem. What do you know now, certainly around running your own business, what do you know now that you would uh, wish you had known earlier? That's another great question. I think some of the answer on that goes around to understanding what it really takes to run a business, realizing there are different tax structures within the country that you're living in, uh, the US for me, and and understanding you're not the expert, so make sure you rely on the experts for some of those kinds of things uh, and have them help you figure out the best way to structure the business that you want to run. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think pick your battles, right? It's like anything in life. Exactly. Know what you're, you're really going to focus on and then make sure that you got the right people. And being the Kevin Bacon of the Salesforce system, if you're listening to Eric and you know that you're looking for a particular expert or you're looking for something within the ecosystem, Eric's the right guy to uh, reach out to. So uh, Eric, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thanks for all the work that you've done across the ecosystem for the uh, 14 years you've been in it. You can uh, find out more about Eric in all the links and I'll talk about more of that in the outro. So uh, Eric, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks again for having me, Paul. I appreciate it.
That was a great interview by Eric, and he really is is so well-known within the ecosystem, and he's someone that can definitely help you. He can point you in the right direction. You know, there's so much connections and knowledge that he's got that it's hard to get that through on the podcast, but reach out to him. And also that Midwest Dreaming is on the 17th to the 19th of July, 2024. So there's details you can find on the website on that. And also, why don't you share what you learned from Eric and reach out to him on LinkedIn. He'll love you for that. Also, share it with your peers, one to 10 people. It makes all the difference for them, and they'll think you're an absolute rock star. And also, don't forget to check out our solo shows. See you next time on the Cloud Consultant Show for more quick and simple ways to grow your cloud consulting business to live more of the life you want right now. Time for action. Subscribe, comment, and let me know what you like best about this episode. Plus, get your exclusive show extras and growth action guides for subscribers only. Visit techconsultantsblueprint.com.